and welcome to Top Fives, the show of everything Top Fives, presented by The Sex Effects. I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we have a uh, cinematically rocking good time for you this evening. Um, but before we get to all of the cinematically rocking adventures, uh, Jonathan, how are you, my friend? Uh, good, man. Just yeah, uh, yeah. getting deep into January and... I feel like this month's going to be over now or soon. <laughs> so it's only the 7th. It's, been, it's only the 7th. I just feel like it's going to fly by so quickly, just like this last year. It's true. Um, but yeah, uh, just been kind of a chill week. It's been raining up here, and I, I heard you got some rain in, in Monterey yeah, over the weekend. Yeah, loved so. it. Loved Loving it. Loving it. Loving it, dude. So um, yeah, just it's been just kind of, you know, after the holidays, it just kind of slows down a little bit, so. Yeah. Just kind of getting back to the groove of things. So, yeah. Fantastic. Joe, how are you doing? Doing all right, man. Um, spent the weekend um, just in solitude and writing and um, listening to records and uh, exercising and just hanging. It was brilliant and it was what the soul needed. And um, I feel like my batteries are recharged a bit. Um, and then, of course, I had to go to work today, so, so that zapped it. But uh, for a moment there, I felt real good. Um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 Monday, and, and of course, my favorite part of Monday is uh, chit-chatting with you about about lists. Hey, there you go. Some yeah. lists. Um, speaking of lists, Shawnee, hey. would you uh, would you like to hit me with one, or would you like me to hit you with one? Um, I'll I'll hit you with one this week. All right. And, all right. Um, we kind of discussed this off air a little bit, just give you some, some time to think about it, but Joe, what are your top five movie cameos? Okay. So I'm glad you kind of, uh, prefaced this uh, beforehand, you know, and I was thinking about it and, uh, we did a whole episode dedicated to Stanley cameos. So I'm not going to put any Stanley cameos on this list. I'm just putting that out there up front. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we'd, we'd, we'd be here all day with Stanley. Um, so for number five, I'm going to go Bob Saget in Half-Baked. Oh, wow. I forgot about that one. Yeah. You ever suck a dick for weed, man? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, such man. a random, he, he just pops up. And, and especially, you know, um, if you grew up like I did watching um, Full House, that was very out of character for Danny Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that's a fun moment that just is so jarring and catches you off guard and it's so funny. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, number four, I'm gonna go with. I just watched this the other night. Martin Scorsese in Taxi Driver. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's it's a really kind of his own film. Yeah, he it, the the guy the actor that was gonna play the part I guess got sick and called out, so he filled in and. It's really cool because, you know, De Niro and Scorsese are such an, an iconic filmmaking duo, but you rarely ever see the two of them in the same scene together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's and it's deranged as fuck. I mean, um, you know, Scorsese is, is this guy who gets in Travis's taxi and he's like, pull over and, you know, did I tell you to put the meter down? Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, he's badgering him. And he's like, you see that window up there? You know, the window with the light? Cabby, do you see the window, the light, you know? <laughs> and um, he's like, you see the woman in the window? Good. You know, I want you to see her. That's my wife. Uh, but, that, but that's not my place, you know? And um, he talks about how he's going to kill his wife, and all, you know, and it's wild. Um, 
And, you know, it's, I think it's a very, very, um, I think it's a brave thing to do to put yourself in that movie in such kind of a provocative role. Yeah. Yeah. To hear these things coming out of your mouth that you may not want people to associate with you. Um, and to leave it in the movie, I think is, is it's incredible. It's really fucking out there and, and weird and awesome. And, um, I love it. I love that moment. Um, cause you would think most cameos like, especially from directors they're, they're very subtle right like they're right you think of Alfred Hitchcock and and yeah. in fact Scorsese does an earlier cameo in that movie um, when they're introducing Sybil Shepherd's character he's just sitting like on a stoop watching Sybil Shepherd in the background um, which is so he has two little cameos in taxi driver which is funny um, yeah number three. I'm going to go with Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction. Ah, a little Pulp Fiction? A little Pulp Fiction. You know, okay. I hit up my ass, you know. Um, and he, he delivers the watch, the pocket watch, to a young Bruce Willis. Um, and it's just, he get, you know, it's one of the best, one of Quentin Tarantino's best written scenes, I think. Um, you know, it's got character, it's got pathos, it's got twists and turns in the story, and you're like, what the fuck? And, um, and, and, but it's, has a weird amount of heart to it too, for, for a Tarantino piece. Um, so I, I love that scene quite a bit. Um, and Christopher Walken is so great. He's so great. And people don't, people forget, I think how good of an actor he is. That motherfucker's got an Academy Award. Um, you know, so Christopher Walken, ladies and gentlemen, um, number, number two, this is Oh, <laughs> this guy's like dis- my cat's is like destroying my ow. Oh no! Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. See, Marty only bites other people. He doesn't bite me. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's biting my uh, my little uh, thing on my <laughs> my sweater. My your little- g string on your sweater. <laughs> okay, hopefully that's good. <laughs> All right, uh, number two. This is this is an entire. Um, there's a lot of cameos to unpack here, um, but I'll never forget sitting in the theater for Austin Powers Gold Member, and the movie starts, and you see Austin Powers, you know, parachuting out of a plane or a helicopter, or whatever, and it's this giant action sequence, unlike anything you've ever seen in an Austin Powers movie before. And he takes off his helmet, and it's Tom Cruise saying, "Yeah, baby." Oh. Um, oh shit! I forgot about that yeah. one too. And then you think it's Felicity Shagwell played by Heather Graham, but nope, it is uh, Gwyneth Paltrow playing Dixie Normus. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, you oh, think shit, it's Doctor Evil, but nope, it's Kevin Spacey playing Doctor Evil. And who's playing Mini Me? Danny DeVito. Um, Danny DeVito. <laughs> and then you get cameos from Steven Spielberg, from Britney Spears, Quincy Jones. Um, there might be others, but those are the ones that are coming to mind. Um, yeah, there's a lot of actually in those films. There's a lot of yeah different cameos happening. But just that opening um, was so great because you know you're. I think it was De Palma that said you know, the opening scene of a movie give them, you can you can give the audience anything because they're ready for it you know and you can just fuck with them. He's like, don't open the movie with like a scenic route and a car driving. He's like, no fuck that you know do something crazy. So, um, and this is one of the best examples of that, I think. Um, and then number one, a moment I will never forget in the theater. It caught me completely off guard. Um, will Ferrell in Wedding Crashers. 
Oh my God! Why did I forget? Dude, I forgot that one. dude, Chad or Chaz? <laughs> Chad, man. Chad. <laughs> yes, Chad. Um, <laughs> so fucking funny. Um, with the mom, the meatloaf. You know, I mean, only Will Ferrell could have played that part, and he wasn't yeah. in the advertising. He, you know, it's a very well-known part now. But yeah. going into that movie, none of us had any idea that he was in the movie. That character. Um, Crashing funerals. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they drop hints and they talk about his character. Um, but you never think you're actually going to get to meet that character. Meet yeah. um, so when you do, it's that's a moment. That is a really great moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're my, Shawnee, good list, man. Good, good asking because I had a lot of fun compiling that favorite cameos. Yeah, it's tough to kind of because you gotta. It's like ones that really stick. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, you can you know enjoy the film itself, but it's it's mostly the that scene that you remember the most. And like for Wedding Crashers, of course, that's like definitely yeah. I think of that one. Why did I not think of that one, dude? Um, and it's hard too because like Kevin Smith has a great has a lot of great cameos in his movies. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, from Ben Affleck to fucking Chris Rock, or you know, um, yeah. George Carlin even, but yeah, I just, yeah, I was, these I was are my five. Of, uh, it's not on my list, but Jay and Silent Bob. Um, There's so many. Back. So, Carrie so Fisher, many, yeah. Mark Hamill. I mean, my God. And then like, who, who ends up playing uh, the, the versions of themselves in the movie? That oh, James stop? Vanderbeek and uh, Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the pie fucker. <laughs> and they just like look. Like they're wearing exactly what they're wearing, like when they finally when they meet him, yeah, in Hollywood or whatever. But they're just like they don't look anything like James Bond. <laughs> um, that's a good list, dude. I, I like the you hit some pretty good ones, and especially the like the Austin Powers one where it's like it has a couple different cameos across the board, and yeah, it's a cameo um, sequence. Cameo sequence, you know. Um, fuck, man, I I told you this before I, I have like eight on here but i'm gonna try to dwindle it down you got um, it i had, I had stanley five. on there so i'm gonna take him off because if we've talked about his um amazing cameos um so i've got i'm gonna try to order these two so i've got number five i got uh neil patrick harris in yes. and kumar i think most of the series i think he's in all the all i believe so yeah movies. i haven't seen the the christmas one but i believe he's in all three I just watched it's it's whatever the third one yeah um, but I mean Neil Patrick Harris is, it's actually in that film he is pretty much playing his character uh, actually the the opposite of, like he's playing himself as far as being a, a the a name gay man, a gay man uh, actor who you know has a, he has a great career and he has a family and stuff like his actual real life self, but at the same time, he's, he's still parroting like this kind of straight man and just like complete asshole throughout the movie. So like, that's, right on. I thought that was like the funniest part. Like he's, he's almost like parroting his own life. Yeah. And the, his actual character of himself, which he is actually, you know, a, a married gay man um, who is, has a gorgeous family. And, and, you know, I think he's highly respected in, in oh, big in time. The yeah. Community. So uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. Like he kind of, <laughs> and it, it goes to the extreme on that one too. So um, definitely a highlight. I think if you're going to watch the third film, he's the highlight of the third, third film for sure. Nice. He was, so, yeah, he's my favorite part in all those movies. Yeah. And then of course, you know, in freaking, um, in uh, how I met your mother, like he's definitely probably my favorite character. That's so. nice. Uh, so Neil Patrick Harris as five. Um, I've got for number four, 
uh, David Bowie in The Prestige, uh, playing uh, Nikola Tesla. Um, Prestige is one of my favorite all-time films um, by Christopher Nolan. Um, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale are great in it. Um, But there's a really cool um, sequence where, um, or a couple scenes where um, Hugh Jackman's character um, requests the services of Nikola Tesla and in order to build like a contraption to actually like transport a man as far, part of his like magic act. And he's trying to go off of science. He's like, I want to make real magic. That's so right. Yeah. A person who, you know, does experiments with electricity and all this stuff. And, um, and it's very unique cause David Bowie has such a, you know, especially when, as a, when he was, um, at that age, you know, I mean, he, he, I think, uh, man, I don't know what year it was out. 2000, Man, it might have been 2008. I'm going to have to look this up, dude. The Prestige. Cause, that was 2006. Uh, six. So it was a little bit early yeah. on. Um, so, yeah, I, I, like Bowie definitely at his kind of, you know, his his um, his older kind of like look. And I, I like he just like looks so elegant every time he's on like on, on screen and especially playing um, Tesla. I mean, he had a little accent, which is kind of interesting, but. Um, yeah, it was very just interesting to see that happen in the movie. And he kind of plays an integral role of like convincing the main character, Hugh Jackman's character, like, yeah, I can do this stuff for you and I could show you what science can do. But overall, like this, you know, this thing I'm making for you or whatever you're trying to, whatever you're trying to find and search for, it's not going to bring you happiness. And he's like kind of that key character to kind of like, kind of give him that up front. But of course, Hugh Jackman is far beyond that. So, um, so yeah, it's a cool little interaction in the film and, um, you know, David Boy's, you know, always had a influence in film and, you know, I just always feel like he's very kind of, um, kind of elegant looking kind of character they always play. So yeah, yeah. he had another so. cameo. Um, he plays fucking Punctious Pilot in The Last Temptation of Christ. What? Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay. Isn't that wild? <laughs> I have to, you know, I, I've seen the film. I just haven't, I can't remember all of it through. And I know we've talked about this a couple of times. Yeah. That, that movie. So. God, I love um, that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Easter movie. That is your, that is the Easter movie. As Jim yeah. Says. Yeah. Um, so I got David Bowie for the prestige at number four. Very nice. Um, I've got number three. I've got Zoolander. Uh, for mol, I mean, kind of like similar, yeah, kind of similar to um, Austin Powers. Like, there's uh, John Voight, there's Jerry Stiller, David, actually David Bowie, I think is in it. He is, yeah. He um, he uh, hosts the uh, he hosts the the, the, the walk off, the like walk off, yeah. yeah. Billy Zane. Um, there are a lot of cool, like, uh, interesting celebrities in this movie, and it's just great because it. I feel like as a parody movie about like you know, models and stuff. Like it's great because those, those celebrity interactions, I think legitimize like, Oh wow. These are like actual models <laughs> in, like, in the, in the, in this, uh, you know, in this world. And like they, you know, they exist amongst these celebrities and they're well known amongst these celebrities. And they almost like if Zoolander hung out with these people on the weekends or something like that. So, yeah. Um, and it's just cool to see like, you know, especially David Bowie, you know, he was definitely, you know, he had his own style and kind of fashion and, you know, he's associated with that too. So it was cool to kind of bring, you know, those kind of figures, uh, to the forefront. And then of course, Jerry Stiller is his Ben Stiller's dad. 
um, and he's in it a couple times. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of cameos. There's not one in particular that I, that pops out to me, but I always just find like that kind of whole sequence and scene where they're doing the walk off and you just see a whole bunch of people saying what's up to, to Derek Zoolander. <laughs> like he's like the he's like the coolest dude ever. So <laughs> do you remember um, Vince Vaughn's brief brief cameo in that movie? Oh man. Who does he play? He plays one of his coal miner brothers. I don't even think he has a fucking line. Oh, that's right. And he, he has like a really like straight face and he's kind of making him feel guilty or something. Yeah. I yeah. Well, I, you know, when they're at the bar, <laughs> yeah. got the black lung pop. Um, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. He's like the coal miner guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what his family wants him to do, you know? Yeah. Instead of modeling. So doesn't he have a yeah. line in the movie? It's crazy. Man, that's nuts. Still cameos in that. So, yeah, we'll add that to the list. Right on. Vince Vaughn. Um, so I got uh, number two, Bill Murray in Zo- uh, Zombieland. Nice. Um, Zombieland, I thought Zombieland was all right. It wasn't like, there was a period of like just a lot of zombie movies coming out, and I just felt like kind of burned out on a bunch of zombie movies. But out of all the movies, I thought Zombieland was pretty fun, and, you know, it kind of a, a kind of humorous take on the zombie apocalypse. Um, and there's a great scene where, you know, of course they're in, I guess, Hollywood or whatever. And they're in these abandoned, you know, in this abandoned neighborhood in like, I think Beverly Hills, one of those places. And it's, it's, you know, they're like looking for these, the four main characters looking for a place to stay. And they're like, Whoa, you know, like this is where all the celebrities live. Like maybe this, this might be like a house that we might know. And then they go in this house and they find out it's Bill Murray's house. And then all of a sudden fucking Bill Murray comes out of nowhere and it's great because like the t- the one of the characters is showing like this younger girl, the one of the young girl characters um, who isn't old enough to probably know some of Bill Murray's films, and in the place that they're staying at, he shows them like Ghostbusters or something, or shows her Ghostbusters. He's like, hey, this is who Bill Murray is. Like, and he pops out of nowhere, and he turns out he is not a zombie, but he looks like a zombie. So they accidentally like hurt him or something, or they shoot. That's him. That's right. Yeah. And so you, you spend, like, just a little moment with Bill Murray, like, humoring <laughs> these guys, especially during, like, these kind of times of just the zombie apocalypse. And Bill Murray has been huddled down in his mansion, dressed, faking being a zombie just to kind of blend in. And it's, it's great. It's a great moment. And it's, of course, true Bill Murray. You know, he's super calm. He's so... He tries to bring light to the moments that are there, and even though he's dying in that moment. so like, Yeah, he's fantastic in that. He's great, and yeah, uh, fucking Bill Murray, man. He's he's awesome, and just you know, having him just a moment in the in the uh, in the movie just to pay kind of a little tip tip their hat off to Bill Murray, I think, is really cool. So yeah, so Bill Murray, and then I've got um, this one was kind of tough, but I gotta say, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Dude, good call. That's a second Tom Cruise on you know for yeah. for because you never um, think Tom Cruise comedy. Yeah, he does it and low so, key. Yeah. T- like with Austin Powers, like totally caught me off guard when I saw that happen. Uh, having uh, this character in um, Tropic Thunder, being the movie exec, the hard ass movie exec, just doing anything he can to just make a buck out of everything and just piss everyone off. I mean, Jeez. he's he's. G five, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like kind of like I don't know if it was like a fat suit or something. He, he yeah, he like yeah, had some weight on him. 
Um, so yeah, like when you look at the character, it's like, holy shit, is that like Tom Cruise? Like Les Grossman. Les Grossman, that's his name. Yeah. Yes. And then of course the uh, apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur, uh, the whole kind of dance scene near the end of the film was like the best. Um, yeah, dude, I think that covers it. I, um, I don't, I mean in any particular order, but I always find like the Tom Cruise Tropic Thunder cameo was like, again, out of left field. And also just, I think he was one of the highlights of that film. Yeah. Especially any scenes that he was in. So, and him trying to even make sense of what's happening to these people who are actually in a movie going through like, you know, these drug Lords and stuff. And he's trying to like, think like oh you know we can we can you know or we don't negotiate with terrorists (laughs) (laughs) just playing the like the cold movie exec so um yeah really cool scene and of course just i'm not expecting it at all no yeah what's great about cameos in films like sometimes you just don't expect them and that's what kind of makes them so um so memorable right on so yeah that is my top five that's a good list shawnee that's a very good list thank you top five a cameos. Um, so I have also a movie-related list. Um, yeah. It was just the Oscars and... Um, or no, sorry, it was the Golden Golden Globes. Golden, Golden, yeah, yeah. Golden Globes. Um, and one thing you'll hear, and it's very true, uh, Hollywood loves stories about Hollywood. Um, true. So my question to you, Shawnee, is what are your top five favorite movies about movies? Oh man. Okay. This is, I have another eight on this list. So I'm going to dwindle it down. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta whittle that shit. Okay. So I've got, uh, let's see here. Uh, okay. One, two. All right. So I have number at number five, I've got, Ooh, that's a tough one too. Um, okay. Okay. I've you got, got this. <laughs> I believe this in you. There's some pretty good films on here. That's what I'm like, Oh fuck. Don't know what. Okay. So I've got, um, Okay, number five, I got Argo. Ooh, um, I still haven't seen that. This, kind of on the serious side. Um, uh, long story short, it's about a pretty much sending a film crew uh, to. Oh God, I'm trying to. Is it? Remember, I think it's, it's Iran. the Middle East, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so that's the whole premise of the movie is is pretty much making this backstory of having this kind of film documentary crew out there. Um, um, during this uh, this time of of, um, of war, and the I think it 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 was a back it was a um, what do you call it? it was like a back backdoor uh, backdoor into like pretty much getting info and intel into um, uh, their you know whoever was who they whoever they had contacts with in in Iran. So it was definitely like a high risk mission, especially for these people who. Um, are trying to convince these, you know, convince whoever they interact with that they're movie makers or filmmakers. And so it's, it's very intense. It's very, it's very, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, tension. And of course there are moments where it's like, man, you know, they, these guys have to convince them that they are just there to make a movie, um, directed by, um, Ben Affleck. Yeah. uh, Starring Ben Affleck. And he also won, uh, an award for this movie as well. Best picture. Best picture, man. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, th- I, I think you'll enjoy it, Joe. It, it's definitely very interesting and, and engaging. And there's like, um, 
a lot of moments where you're just, you know, I love the moments where they're just like, is this going to work? Like, you know, are we going to be convincing enough? And that's where that kind of high tension moments happen throughout the film. Um, nice. But again, again, a totally good movie and I, I really enjoyed it. And it's one that, you know, I, I think of like these people are trying to, you know, they're putting this kind of front forward and risking their lives um, to, you know, to fake this kind of movie that they're supposed to be making there in order to gather intel. So it's, yeah, definitely high stakes. I've always so, wanted to see it. I got to check it out. Yes. Argo for number five. I'll go. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. So I'm going to go number four. Bowfinger. Ooh. Steve Martin and um, what do you call it? Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Pretty much convincing a man... <laughs> like a film within a film convincing this dude uh, or not even convincing this guy, pretty much creating a film off of this guy without even knowing it yep. in, in some way or form and orchestrating all these different things to make it, to, to make the scenes happen, to make the, whatever the story is, the action happen. Um, and it's just so funny. The interactions with Steve Martin and, and um, Eddie Murphy. And then uh, who's the girl in it? Um, Heather Graham, Heather Graham, dude. Uh, she's great in it too. And she's fantastic. Um, she's yeah, she's fucking awesome in it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just a great little like movie within a movie kind of deal. And especially when the character is, is slightly being duped and yeah. not knowing it. So the audience is in on it. And so you're go through the whole movie kind of with that in mind. So I love movies where it's like, it kind of brings you in, but some of the characters are not aware of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I always think those movies are, are pretty, pretty fun. And at the same um, time, uh, Steve Martin's duping his own crew, right? Because That's he's telling right. them that Eddie Murphy knows that he's in the movie. He just doesn't want to see the camera and all yeah. this kind of stuff. So, I mean, everyone's getting played. Um, everyone's getting played throughout the movie. And, and Heather Graham is playing everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's... It's uh, it's great. It's a good movie. I, I definitely want to watch it again. And it's, it's definitely... A re- a, I can repeat that movie a couple times. Yeah. So, uh, number four, Bowfinger... Very nice. Um, man, I've got... Oh, shit. Okay. Number three. I got The Disaster Artist. Ooh, Shawnee. Good one. Uh, which I just recently watched. I watched it maybe like maybe two months ago. It's so good. It's fuck. It's great, dude. I, I really liked it. And um, it, it's funny because we saw The Room like beforehand and uh, multiple viewings of that movie with you, Joey. So, <laughs> um, it, it was interesting to see kind of like this movie about the making, you know, where, where it kind of came from. Um, the cool, I really like the ending, the credits where they did like kind of a shot by shot. They got like, it very close. They got it very, very close. close, dude. And like, I gotta say James Franco, like kind of looked. I mean, yeah, not like, n- like uh, maybe with his glass sunglasses on very, very closely to him. Yeah. They did a really good um, job. Yeah, it, it was it was uh, very it was a very interesting film, and um, I I just kind of like the there's still a mystery behind. Um, uh, why am I blanking on his name? The director. Oh, Tommy, Tommy was so. Was so. There's still a mystery with that gentleman. Yeah, and uh, and the mo- and I think I remember uh, listening to an interview with uh, I think it was Seth Rogen. Um, about the film and I know he stars in it too as well, but 
yeah, he was he was like, yeah, we we pretty much still don't know anything about this dude, and we just we just asked asked his permission to make the movie. Yeah, and and, and we're just like, yeah, and you know, not a lot of you know, I'm sure like some fact checking as far as the, how the film was made, but just in general about Tommy Wiseau, like who he is, still a mystery. Yeah. So, um, that part was very intriguing too. So yeah. Disaster artists for, uh, three. Um, and then I've got number two. I mentioned it before. Jay and silent Bob strikes back. Oh my God. Uh, you're right. How did I freaking Jay and silent Bob try to stop them from making it stop Hollywood from making a movie about them. Damn dude. This and, slipped through my crack. Oh my God. Oh man. It's such, it's, it's probably one of my favorites. Uh, Kevin Smith movies. It's so good. Oh my God. And it's like everything about like, <laughs> like, I mean, pretty much everything about like the ho- you know, like the, the Hollywood, uh, you know, them remaking, you know, their movie, like that kind of the Hollywood, uh, uh, like stereotype. And then the, you know, the cast is crazy. There's like, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people in this movie. Um, I mean, we mentioned some of them in the cameos, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a ride and it's so funny. It's like Jane saw Bob at their peak. It's um, true. And it's a whole movie dedicated to them. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> it was really cool seeing that happen. And I think, isn't like Kevin Smith making like another one? Or? Yeah, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Reboot. We'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't I, really I have heard, much faith in late 20, you know, 18, yeah. 2019 Kevin Smith as a, as a <laughs> filmmaker, as a podcaster. He's, you know, and as a human being, he's tops, but... Um, I, did you read the, like what the, what it's about or it's, I heard it's, it's like ba- supposed to be like them trying to stop their reboot. Of the I, movie I think so. Yeah. It's basically going to just be the same thing, I think. So I don't know. I don't know. That'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. I so hope it's we'll good. See. I really hope it's good. Um, yeah. I mean, hopefully maybe a little commentary on, on kind of just reboots and yeah, you know, maybe I, I think if anything, that could be a, a funny if you're familiar with like Jane Silent Bob, if they have like familiar scenes, yeah, and it's like, wait, didn't we do like, didn't we do this like before or something like that? Like, kind of like a movie Inception or something like that. Totally. So, um, but yeah, Jane Silent Bob strikes back. Wonderful. Jane Silent Bob at their best. Um, yeah. Super hilarious. And at number one, um, mention him as my number one for the cameo. Uh, Tropic Thunder, dude. Nice, dude. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I wouldn't say it's like as funny as Jane Silent Bob, but like the movie is them pretty much thinking that they're making a movie. Uh, in reality, they're like wrestling up against uh, with a bunch of uh, drug like drug lords, <laughs> and like I think they're in Vietnam or like I I don't know if they're I think they're somewhere out there, but yeah, I mean the whole movie is like hilarious and the the beginning like trailers. I remember when, when that, when we watched it in theaters, I was so convinced like these were real trailers. Oh, those were, totally that was the best part of the movie next that to the Tom was, Cruise, dude. Les Grossman it, character. Yeah. It sold it, man. It sold like, okay, so now we're going to this movie. These people are actors and they're like, they have, they have their own franchises and stuff. And like Ben Stiller's like the kind of veteran guy. And, and then we have uh <laughs> Jack Black's character <laughs> like, druggy throughout the whole movie. And, uh, hey, my yeah. Jelly beans. Jelly beans and then, oh yeah, freaking Robert Downey Jr. He's so doing good, his yeah. Thing playing a black a black dude, it's the dude disguises another dude playing another whatever dude. So I don't turn um, off till I do the DVD commentary. <laughs> yeah. he is probably one of my favorites on that because he's like the method actor kind of guy. He's he's really funny, yeah. 
And, um, you know, there, there could be a lot of controversy. I'm sure there was a little bit of controversy with the, him doing like the blackface, but, um, he did it taste. I would say he did tastefully. And, um, I think it's a good commentary on just, you know, kind of actors kind of being too, too much into the roles. I would think, especially when there's thing, bad things happening and there's like life and death, you know, experiences happening. Oh, don't get me wrong. Oh, freaking, I forgot. Freaking Danny McBride's in it too, dude. That's right. Yeah, yeah, Danny McBride, And man. Nick Nolte. Playing the uh, explosives expert or something. Big ass titties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's the one who, yeah, he's the one who like goes like pretty crazy at the end. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's funny, dude. I, I love it. The I mean, the whole movie is like a parody on itself and actors. Matthew McConaughey's in it. And McConaughey's. That was like the start of the McConaissance. TiVo, I got the TiVo, <laughs> like the whole buddy, whole movie. TiVo, <laughs> I got it, dude. I love how he's like he's like not aware of like what's happening. No, uh, as there, until that one scene where he like throws the remember he throws the the TiVo up. Yeah, and, like, you know, stops the missile or whatever. Intercepts it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, um, yeah, freaking Tropic Thunder, man. What a movie. That's, what a good actually. What a good movie going experience like in the theaters. I thought that yeah. was out of a lot of the films on this list, I thought this was like probably one of the funnest ones to see in the theater. I'll co-sign so, that. I'll co-sign yeah, that. Dude. Right on. Hey. Uh, uh, Joe, what are your top fives, man? I'm, I'm very curious now. Well, shoot, man, your list was very good. I, I want to put Jane Silent Bob Strike back on there, but uh, I'm, I'm going to leave it off so that our lists are, are different. Um, number five, I'm going to do the Coen Brothers Hail Caesar. Dude, I had that. I had that as a as a runner up for sh- for sure, man. It's a very good movie. I mean, it doesn't. Um, I don't think it's greater than the sum of its parts, but I yeah. really, really enjoy this movie. Um, each sequence unto itself is so great. Like uh, the introduction of um, Scarlett Johansson in the whole water sequence, or Channing Tatum's dance number. Um, you know, the tap dancing sailors or whatever it was. <laughs> it was all like just so well done and, and it felt so authentic to the era they were trying to portray. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just like kind of like the idea of, you know, this big fixer going around the studio a lot and trying to, you know, <laughs> get things done. It was really great. Um, number four, I'm going to go Hugo. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. What I really love about this movie was Scorsese snuck a film history lesson into a kid's movie, um, you know, about how, you know, the inception of movies, you know, uh, with the Lumiere brothers and uh, George Melias perfecting uh, special effects techniques and kind of trying to understand the silent era of film and what it was all about and yeah. why they're not really, you know, I think I was watching an interview with him and, he said 80% of silent cinema is completely lost. Wow. Like there's only 20% from, from that's 1895 to 1927. All those, you know, 80% of that stuff is gone, which is so sad. Crazy, dude. Um, but it's such a beautiful little lesson and you see the techniques and you know, how he had the glass studio to let the light in and them doing the costumes and, you know, it was very primitive, you know, it was like set the camera up, go act in front of it. You know, they, it, yeah. it's not like he was moving the camera or getting close ups or anything like that, but it was, it's, ah, I love it. And it has such a great little ending because that's the true story. He got rediscovered and they, they took care of him. Um, and, uh, yeah, Hugo. That's a good um, one. Yeah. 
Number three, I'm going to go Sunset Boulevard. Ooh, um, classic Billy right Wilder. Here. I love Billy Wilder. Um, and this movie, if you don't know, it's about a screenwriter who's down on his luck, hasn't sold a, a script in a while. And um, he's trying to evade the guys coming to take his car away for not paying for it. And he gets a flat and he winds up in this, you know, the the old movie mansions that they made in the crazy 20s and blah, blah, blah. And great lines like, you know, there's a pool that, you know, some had had parties like a thousand midnights ago and like just very Whoa. beautiful, evocative language. And it's in this beautiful black and white. And then you meet um, Norma Desmond, um, who is this crazy silent era starlet and who became a recluse and, you know, is convinced that the world is waiting for her to return. And, um, it's wild. It is. She becomes obsessed with him and he can't really get away from her. And at a certain point doesn't, doesn't want to. Um, and it's tragic and it's sad and it's scary and it's funny. And, um, there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot happening in the film as far as, you know, how you're, how you're experiencing it and whatnot. Yeah. So. And then we get, of course, the very famous, famous line at the very closes out the movie, you know, I'm ready for my close up. you know, Mr. DeMille or whatever. Um, Classic movie. Have you seen it? I don't think I've seen it all the way through. No, Man. but I, I, from what you're describing, dude, it's it sounds like a. I mean, I, I've known of it as a very classic film. You know, it's definitely one that has you know gone down in history. Yeah. Um, especially for those things you're talking about, man. Like. Um, so I'm very interested to see. That's like a definitely want to have like a little classic. Yeah. You know, movie watch and. And now kind of having a, a little backstory to it. I think that's really that's really cool, man. Yeah. William Holden uh, doesn't get enough praise. He's a great praise actor. Yeah. Uh, number two, um, is it? I just want to double check the director. I'm pretty sure it's Minnelli, Vincent Minnelli. Vincente Minnelli? Shit. I'm going to look this up because I would lose all film cred. Um who is the director? The director is, yeah, I was right. Vincente Minnelli. I'm probably butchering that name, but whatever. Um, the bad and the beautiful, um, starring Kirk Douglas. Um, it's, I watched this movie with, for the first time with my mom on Christmas, it was just me and her and we stayed up and we drank coffee and we watched this movie. And I'll always think of that when I think of this movie, which yeah. is part of why I love it. But it's from 1952. Uh, Lana Turner is is in it, um, who's just gorgeous and you know one of those classic movie starlets, you know. And mm-hmm. um, Kirk Douglas is a really good is really good at playing an asshole. And if there's some stories to be believed on the blinds, he was an asshole. Um, is an asshole. He's 102. Anyway, um, he's this producer, and screw that. The movie starts with these three people being summoned to this house and they go in and Lana Turner is one of them. She's uh, the movie star. Um, There's a writer and then there's a director and they're like, you know, Jonathan Shields wants to work with you again. They're like, I'd never work with him again. And um, (laughs) they each recount their story of how he fucked them over, you know, and um, you know, he develops a script with the screenwriter um, but, or, and then doesn't let him like do the picture or something like that. Or you know, he develops it with the director. 
And then um, he, and then once he gets the green light for the picture, he's like, "Yeah, this other guy's going to direct it." What? You know, we we developed it together. And he's like, "Sorry, kid, you're just not ready for a million dollar picture yet." You know. Um, so it's that kind of thing over and over and over again. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the bad and the beautiful, and it's perfect like film noir, black and white, and like it's awesome. Um, oh, see, that's another one. Man, I have to have like a nice classic kind of movie night, yeah man, for sure. so good it's so good anyway yeah um and and kirk douglas just so wild you know it's it's you think of like a movie from the 50s and you think of a certain kind of acting but kirk douglas was kind of ahead of his time i think um just unhinged and then um for number one i i couldn't knock it off because it is my number one uh bowfinger is so good dude and you know i think (laughs) that came out what 99 i think so i was 10 yeah and that was definitely a big influence on like wanting to like make movies and like yeah that looks fun even if you're fucking lying to everyone (laughs) around you that looks like a blast dude um so you know and it just captures the spirit um of someone who just wants to make movies like it's so you know steve martin i i I get his drive and everything. And, um, Heather Graham is brilliant in it. Robert Downey Jr. has a sneaky little cameo. Oh man. Yeah. I remember that one. He's one of the producers and he's like, you bring me the script and, um, and Kit Ramsey and you've got a go picture. He opens the script and he goes, Oh, that's, it starts nice. And then he flips through the entire script. He's like, we'll just, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to the last page. Gotcha suckers. Oh, that's a line. All right, yeah, yeah. You bring me the script and Kit Ramsey, yeah. you got to go picture. Like, that is brilliant. Um, and they steal his car and everything. Um, yeah, I love Bowfinger. I just saw it again um, a couple months ago and I was at my folks' house. It was on. And it, I, anytime that movie's on, doesn't matter what part of the movie it is, I'll, I'll stop it. Watch. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like it is, you know, some of them are very dumb jokes, but there's a lot, there's a lot being said as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I love Bowfinger. It's great. It's my Bowfinger. number one. There we go. Number one. Yeah. Number one TV or movie show. <laughs> number one new show. Um, show. All right, Shawnee. We are at our weekly segment. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right. So every week on the show, we do a weekly segment. Uh, we did movies of the year we were born. We did Beatles. This. <laughs> Season, I guess. Season. We're, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> we're on uh, Ramones Records. So we're doing the discography of the Ramones, and we're on album number five, End of the Century. Um, so, Shawnee, this album is, you know, I think Road to Ruin, we kind of started to hear a difference in their sound, a little bit more mature sound, yeah. but they were still the Ramones. Here, uh, they paired with Phil Spector, and it's, Spector, yeah. it's kind of... Um, I don't know. It's like a big bandy, like it has got like big yeah. band elements. Like I don't know, poppy elements. Um, yeah, it's it's a different sounding Ramones record, and and it. There, I don't. I feel like it's very lifeless. There's not a lot of energy on this record at all. Yeah, there's no joy. Like there's a couple tracks where it's like okay, there's like some stuff that's kind of connect, like reminiscent of their earlier stuff. But there's two I, sequel I, songs. Which I yes. fucking I hate sequel songs. I have no time yeah. for a sequel song. Yeah. Um, I might have picked one of them without oh, did knowing. You? I'm sorry. 
I didn't mean to shit all over one of your choices. No, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. I I, I went into this just like blind. Just hey, I'm just gonna listen to songs, see which ones I like. There's um the return of Jackie and Judy and this ain't Havana. Yeah, I have that one on there. (laughs) Two of my favorite Ramon songs from the first record, and I just feel like those songs don't live up to the originals. Yeah. Um, Now you know what that sucks because now knowing that it's like oh shit now I'm gonna compare it to that but. I have this ain't Havana as four on mine. It's a, it is this ain't Havana. It is a, it's got it's like and I, maybe maybe out of all the the Ramon songs on this record, it's got like they're a little more departed from that kind of big band sound or like the okay. factor sound, I guess. I mean, that's why I kind of gravitated gravitated towards though that one. I feel you. And I think it was um, I think I have what was it uh, five high risk insurance. That's my number, that's my five, number five as five. well. Um, if I think for that same reason, I think it just kind of had like some of the essence of like the earlier Ramon stuff. Yeah. But it, it still had the kind of like Phil Spector polish over it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but I do, I do like the, the high risk insurance was kind of interesting. The lyrical content and that's very interesting. I had to look it up and just <laughs> read along and, um, high risk insurance. It's yeah, the way he says insurance <laughs> is pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those are my five and four. Right on. Um, for those reasons, I think just just knowing like they kind of have an essence of the sound from like their previous records. I feel um, and then I have oh god, I think I oh I have like two number fives. What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> okay, so I think this is three. So I have for three. I can't make it on time. That's a great song. Good song. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's kind of uh, I can't make it on time. I'm trying to remember the. How it starts off. Oh, how does it start? Off? Oh, uh, like, like <laughs> kind of drums. I can't make it on time. time. Yeah, and it's it's Keep again kind of the popular. Trying. Yeah, <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, I think I I picked this one because of that. Um, it has a pop sensibility to it, uh, but it, it again, I think it it's I I still really like. Uh, Johnny, I still like uh, Joey Ramone, uh, and how he ha- kind of has this like duop kind of classic, yeah, kind of vocal style to himself. Yeah, even though like Ramones is definitely like we associate Ramones with like punk music, and that's part of it. That's part of their sound. Um, yeah, but I, I do like that sound. I do like how he hit um, his vocal um, sound, and on this track especially, I think that's why I kind of gravitated towards it. Yeah, um, it's very kind of poppy and uh sing along and because i I um, feel like this record is the one where his voice starts to change and deepen and do kind of different things but yeah this oh, you're right, i dude, can't yeah. make it on time is kind of the is still of the old guard of Ramones, of the old know? guard yeah. maybe that's why i've been gravitating towards these songs they're, they're definitely kind of show some of them kind of go back to the to the the ramones like traditional sound um, yeah but you're right. Like, yeah, you can kind of hear some changes in, in, in his vocal work and kind of he's trying different things. And um, that's always, I think that's always unique about having, you know, records and maybe working with another producer or whatnot. Um, it's, it's definitely not my favorite Ramones record. No. <laughs> but, um, you know, this, like, so and my, my, my next two are uh, kind of this, I would think the singles from this, or, you know, the, I guess the me- most well-known and I, I, I hate to pick the most well-known, but there are my favorite songs off this record. Let's hear it. Um, so I've got, uh, number two, rock and roll high school. Nice. 
rock, 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 rock and roll high school. Da-da-da-da. Again, I again I think another weirdly enough another like pop polish kind of Phil Spector sound, but like again maybe like a little bit of the central Ramones in there. Yeah, uh, kind of the duopy again, like kind of that sound. Now, um, have you heard the other version of it? Because there's an Ed Stasium uh, Tommy Ramone record. It appeared on the uh, special edition of Road to Ruin. And that's the I version I grew up with. Or grew did up not with, but you know what I mean. know that. So this version is very different. It's slower. Um, it's slower, yeah. Um, the maybe drums are very I, different like, on it. I was supposed to say, maybe I, I'm, I'm so familiar with the, the other version of that song. Maybe that's why I was like, oh, like. That's what I was like when I was listening to it. I was like, oh, it's a little, it's a little like different from, from what I remember. Yeah, Maybe that's the yeah. version I've been listening to. Yeah, that's very interesting. So, well, you know what? I, I'll still keep it at, uh, at number two for for the for the time being. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a good song. It's a good song. And um, for my number one, I have. Do you remember Rock and Roll Radio? The Hell yeah. Track one for the record, and weirdly enough. For it, it is definitely the big that kind of sound. They from the get go, they already established like this is the kind of the different sound for this record. Um, a lot of kind of drums, and this is kind there of a chant. horn section? There is a horn section. I always think of like uh, like a swing kind of yes, s- like yeah, a yeah, surf yeah. vibe to it. Um, but yeah, it's got like it does have this kind of like. Uh, anth- anthem type, you know, it's got this like chanting thing, you know, rock, uh, um, rock and rock and roll radio. Let's go. Let's go. Like, I, again, another kind of weirdly ass- like true essential like Ramones thing, kind of like the chant and the kind of like this kind of uh, repeating uh, kind of line that they do. Um, but it does definitely have like I think out of all the songs, I think this one weirdly enough has like most of the. Phil Spector touch to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the production and everything. But I, for some weird reason, I really like the song. It's, it's again, probably on one, like I really like it as a track one, like the beginning of the record. It definitely pumps it up. It definitely uh, sets the tone and the mood for the record and what you kind of expect. Um, and I like the chant. It's just a fun yeah. chant. It's easy to, easy to sing, easy to say. Um, another, song that really kind of reminds me of the Ramones, you know, even though end of century is a record that I don't, it's not necessarily my favorite one, but, um, I always kind of remember the Ramones because of that song. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that, that's my number one for, for that record. Uh, and overall the record was, it was an interesting listen, very different. Yeah. Um, compared to their previous works and, um, but you know, there's some gems in there and the, you know, at the same time it's like, you know, it's we're going to start to see the change in how the Ramones are sounding and depending on who they work with and their lineup and everything. So um, it's kind of cool. I kind of like d- dig how we're eventually kind of getting to these different kind of waves in their sound. And um, it's very apparent in this record. So, yeah, that is my countdown for end of the century. I love it. Shawnee, yes. we we share a number five and we share a number one. Um, just, you know, while we're talking about it, do you remember rock and roll radio, dude? Like it's not, it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a really cool song. And like, I don't want to like it, you know, in terms of how different it is from what I come to expect from the Ramones, but it's a, it is a quintessential Ramones tune, you know? Um, yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) Um, number five, high risk insurance, high risk insurance, uh, 
it just feels like a good old Ramones song. Like that's what, that's what I'm here for. You know, um, number four though, a little different. Danny says, um, about their manager, Danny Fields. Um, and had kind of the string. Yeah. That's what's, yeah. There's a lot of different kind of other instruments on this record too. Um, and it's got just a nice little Danny says we gotta go Gotta go to Idaho oh. And you can't <laughs> go surfing Cause it's 20 but <laughs> Oh man I, I, you know. I like the I like the pacing in that song yeah. Like It's definitely like It's not too fast and too slow kind of. I didn't like I that know. song like as a kid You know cause it was slow and steady Or whatever but um, It's one that as an adult I don't even listen to the song and I can hear it in my head and I can enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, an adult. <laughs> um, <laughs> number three, I'm going to go with uh, Chinese rocks. This Chinese was rocks. a song okay. written um, by mm-hmm. Dita Ramone, possibly with Johnny thunders of the heartbreakers. Oh, I believe cool. it's the heartbreakers. And, um, they, Johnny Ramone said, we're not doing a song about heroin. So he gave it to the Heartbreakers. And they recorded it and had some success with it. So Johnny Ramone was like, we're going to record that song. And um, yeah, so that's uh, a little history lesson behind Chinese Rocks. Oh, I didn't um, know that. That's cool. Yeah. I wonder, it's probably my, my cousin Mickey probably told me about that one. Um, but yeah, very good, very good song. Um a little harder edge than you're used to hearing from the Ramones. You know, the Ramones were punk, but they weren't like, you know, this sounds angry. This sounds mean, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit more attitude in that thing. Yeah. Way much more attitude. Yeah. than you're used to hearing. Um, and number two, I can't make it on time. Joey Ramone yeah. is a romantic. Like that's, I think what kind of gets confused when, you know, the Ramones are punk, the Ramones are punk. Like, dude, no, like Joey Ramone was romantic. And um, it comes across on this song so well, you know, um, the longing and heartbreak and all of it is, um, it's so good. It's so good. Um, Yeah. My number two, I can't make it on time. And then of course, do you remember rock and roll radio? So there we go. Rock and rock and roll radio. Let's go. (laughs) Um, Next week we're going to do. What's that? I was going to say, are there any good live versions of that song? Yes. Okay. So uh, the DVD Ramones Raw that Marky Ramone put out, um, he it's just footage of them traveling, but there's actually a full concert as one of the bonus features of they played like Ooh. right behind the, the Vatican in Rome. And um, they do a stripped down version of Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio? Just the four of them. And it is oh, so cool. sick, dude. It is so I good. Need to, I need to find that. Yeah. That sounds pretty awesome. It's yeah, it's rad. Um, if you like Vatican show or something like that, I'm, you'll be able to find it. It's very good though. Um, cool. Yeah. Next week we're gonna be doing the first Ramones record that I've never listened to. Um, Pleasant Dreams. Have you listened to Pleasant Dreams in the past? I don't think so either, man. No. All right, this is uncharted territory. I've yes. listened to everything up until now. We're gonna dip our toe into something new. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. This will I'm, be. I'm curious. I uh, I was perusing it on Wikipedia today. There is one single that I know from this album that is a very good song. So I'm kind of excited for that. Oh. But we'll see. Like, like. We'll see what happens. 
Um, Shawnee, anything uh, you'd like to share with her dear imaginary audience this week? Ah, sharing. Um, for any of you guitar heads out there. Guitar heads? Uh, guitar heads. Uh, I've been getting into some guitar pedals this year, and uh, boutique pedals are pretty expensive these days. So I, I don't know. I went on Amazon. I looked for some guitar pedals, and I found this company called Amoon, uh, A-M-M-O-O-N. Ooh. I think they're a Chinese company, but they have some pretty affordable pedals. They have some ranging from like 30 to like 60 bucks, which is not that bad for, for, for guitar pedals. So, so I purchased their... Octa pedal, which is like a two, like uh, two octave, like a high and a low octave pedal, um, and then I got a one called Pockverb, which is a delay and reverb pedal. Nice. Uh, stuck together, which is kind of trippy. So you can like play, and then you can do like really spacious and ambient kind of sounds. So I don't know. I I, I I'm trying this year to play more guitar and practice more and kind of get more in tune with the kind of sounds I'm creating. So anyone who's listening who's a guitar player or even does music or you don't even have to run a guitar through this thing. You can just plug whatever you want into it. So, yeah, if you guys are interested in anything like that, um, check out A-Moon. Um, you can probably find them on Amazon. So, yeah, loving that Amazon Prime, dude. Hell yeah. Two-day delivery. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Bezos. Um <laughs> Joe, do you have anything to share this week? Yeah. Um, so this weekend I kind of started binging. Um, it's been out for a while now, and we've talked about his podcast, Mark Marin's show, WTF. I mean, he don't need us to plug it. You know what I'm saying? It's like the greatest podcast in the fucking world. But um, he also has his TV show on IFC, which isn't running anymore, but it ran for four seasons, and they're all on Netflix. Um Oh shit! So I'm in the third season right now. I watched a couple episodes here and there in the past, and just never really tuned in. But um, this weekend, I really went for it, and I really enjoy it. It's very good. Um, If you like, you know, kind of his style of just grumpy guy comedy, uh, you know, it it might be for you. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So check it out. Netflix, IFC, Mark Maron. Just, hey. It's just called Marin. 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 Um, cool. Yeah, man. I'll check it out. Right on. Shawnee. Sure. Yes. Ooh, hey, can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Hey. You hey. guys can find me on uh, Instagram at Music and um, on my website, shondaymusic.net. Net. 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 Um, yeah, check it out, guys. I think I might try to redesign my site again this year. It's right a lot on. of redesigning this year and just kind of getting serious about, yeah, I got to get some photos done, dude. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Got to get some professional looks up there. I but, could do it for um, you, but I only shoot from the waist down. Ooh. Well, in that case. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, dude, uh, just, yeah, excited for um, just new music and new stuff. We've talked before on the air about possibly getting back together as our as our blind issues band slash the pilot slash the sex effects we have we have so many monikers but yeah. uh some amazing uh some amazing times we've had and uh we've talked a bunch of times about uh doing some new music uh yeah. with the band so that is definitely coming this year so we're definitely excited about that and um 
That'd be kind of cool, man. I, I, I think I've said before, but we should definitely have a podcast episode where we bring our, our, our bandmates on. That'd be fun. Uh, Simon, my brother Simon, and, our, and our, of course our, our guest friend who's been on the show before, Andrew Hopkins. So. Did you just call him our guest friend? Like best our, friend, but guest friend? Because I love friend, that. Because he's, he's been a guest <laughs> on the show, and he's a, he's a great friend of ours. So uh, shout out to, shout out to our, our, our homies, uh, Andrew and Simon, of course. We love you. But we love you guys. But yeah, um, super stoked for this year, man. I, I, again, I can't say it enough. And um, I know a year goes by, you know, it's another year. But, I, you know, I always try to keep positive and, you know, let's go for some new goals. So. Right on, man. Yeah, uh, anyways, Joe, where can we find your work? Um, you know, I, I guess, I guess you can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Joey Parati, and you can check out my website JoeyParatiScripts.com. Um, you can check out the show at Top Five Pod. That's T O P F I V E Five P O D on Instagram, on Twitter at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, Top Five Podcast. We are on Apple Music, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So please. Please give us a like, follow, and listen. Listen more than anything else. Um, Because, you know, this is an audio experience. Uh, Audio experience. Shawnee, it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to talk some some cinema and some romance. Some some cameos. You know. Movies within movies. Movies within movies, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for next week and to see what we come up with next. Yeah. I'm excited too, man. Right on, man. Well, until next time, I'm Joey Prati. And I'm Sean Day. Thanks. Thanks for Oh, yeah. Yeah. It might have been close.